welcome friends in the room, friends in Fort Worth, friends in Houston, and wherever you are tuning in with us as we continue this dating series, uh, as we kick off the fall and uh, people are falling in love. I'm gonna start with a story that'll give us some direction for where we're going. Uh, About 10 years ago, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, I was uh, working at a camp in Missouri and I was working for uh, the director of the camp and he was a basically traveling evangelist and he would get asked to go speak all over the country at these different places and he was asked to go speak at a uh, men's kind of rally event where they were gonna fill up the St. Louis Rams uh, football stadium. Kurt Warner was gonna be there and my friend was gonna speak at it and he said, hey, do you wanna come with me? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely, this sounds awesome. And so we uh, head up, get in the car, head out and head the direction of St. Louis, which was a few hours away and we pull up to this airport. And I'm like, what are we doing here? He says, we're getting in the jet. They sent a jet that we're going to get in and fly there. And uh, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is not normal for me. I didn't grow up in Highland Park. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> so we're, uh, uh, don't, don't email if you're from Highland Park. I know. Only, only like half have jets. I get it. Uh, so, hey, we get in the, I know, that's going to get even more emails. Great. Okay, so we get in the jet. My friend is there. Uh, and this is a whole new experience. Never had this before. You know, the leather seats. It's just, it's a little small jet, four-seater. It's me and him and the pilot. And within like three minutes, he falls asleep. And he's just like knocked out. He's going to take a nap on our way there. And so it's just me kind of with my thoughts and the pilot. And so I start talking to the pilot. How long have you been flying? Uh, you know, where are you from? And eventually he just says, hey, do you want to come up here to the cockpit? Yes, uh, absolutely. So I'm riding shotgun in this uh, jet. And, uh, and I immediately realized something that I did not know about flying. You can't see where you're going. Like, like what I mean by that, in case you're like, oh yeah, it's kind of like driving a car, you got the windshield up there. All you see, especially if there's heavy cloud cover, is total white. Like you don't see any, we, I could for all we know not even be off the ground right now. All that I see is smoke in front of us or clouds and, uh, and we're driving or we're flying in the air at hundreds of miles an hour. And I'm like, how do you see? You can't see anything. And he says, you don't trust what you see in front of you. The way that you fly Whenever you're up in the clouds is you don't do it by, you know, kind of what you see and how you feel. Uh, you trust the instruments that you have within the plane. In other words, there's this thing. I was talking actually to a pilot shortly before this who's on our staff who uh, used to be a pilot. And he said, yeah, there's, there's uh, something where, uh, and it's officially called black hole vertigo black hole vertigo where your senses will mess with you when you're up in the air, like fluid in your ears and a change in the weather around you and you'll be flying a plane. And if you just trust how you feel, you'll be like, yeah, we're flying level and you're halfway turned this direction. You'll think that you're flying and you're just pulling up. And if you just trust how it feels, you'll be literally turning over and about to flip. That if you just go off of what you feel and not trusting the instruments that you have there, then you are likely uh, to head towards a crash in the midst of the clouds, if your head or when you're in the clouds, that you can't go off of what you feel or what you see. You have to trust the instruments. You can't go off of even your five senses. You have to trust the instruments or you'll crash the plane. I mean, if you remember JFK Jr., John F. Kennedy Jr., uh, JFK's son, tragically was flying in 1999, if you remember that, and he was flying his own plane with his wife and his sister-in-law and what he thought was headed towards just straight the destination was barreling towards the ocean and he didn't make it. And all of them, without even calling a distress signal, thought we're totally fine and he's barreling towards the water and to his death, tragically. 
that just in flying a plane, you cannot trust what you see. You have to trust the instruments. Now, here's why I start there. Because as it relates to dating, there is a way in which all of us, if you're going to experience success in dating, or if you don't want to crash and burn in dating, you cannot trust what you see, your senses, or your feelings. You have to trust the instruments that God has given us in his word. In other words, if you just go off of emotion, just like a plane, someone flying a plane, they're like, yeah, I think I'm headed in the right direction, and you're halfway uh, towards the ground and barreling towards disaster. If you just go off how you feel, you're going to crash and burn. That you and I are forced, we must trust the instruments. By instruments, I mean the principles or the truths that God has given us inside of his word as it relates to dating. Because whenever you're in love or you're in like, strong like, you, it, your head is in the clouds. You can't see the fog around you. You're like, it's amazing. And you don't even know that you're barrel rolling. I mean, everywhere you go, you just have soft music in the background and you're running in a field towards them in slow motion. And you are trusting your feelings. And if you and I are not careful, we're the only thing that we trust is our feelings. We are going to crash and burn. So tonight, we're gonna to talk, if you take notes, we're talking about trusting the instruments that God has given us for dating. Because the Bible, unfortunately, the bad news is, doesn't talk a lot about dating. Actually, it doesn't talk at all about dating. Uh, but it does have a lot to say about marriage, about sex, about love, and all the in-between stages. So tonight we're gonna to look at five things from God's word as it relates to trusting. These are the instruments that if you're in a serious dating relationship, if you're in any relationship, if you ever wanna be in a relationship, these five things are crucial components for you to not um, neglect and for all of us to trust to avoid crashing and burning as it relates to marriage. So we're gonna be uh, really going through these five things as we continue this series on First Comes Love and we're gonna dive right in. And uh, here's the first one is it comes from God's word that as it relates to dating, when you begin to navigate one of the first instruments that you need to make sure that you're evaluating the relationship and, you know, am I in like, am I in love, where am I right now, is that you make sure that when you look for uh, a potential spouse that you are looking for character, not curves. You are looking for character, not curves. You could say it another way. You are looking for character, not characteristics, that you are uh, physical characteristics, that when it comes to, hey, I'm going to prioritize. And I think everyone in the room is like, yeah, I want character, but gosh, she is hot. And so you have to make sure that you don't follow your feelings and that you are true to trusting the man when it comes to the priority of the person that I'm going to marry, a person that I'm going to date, character above everything else, not, not an amazing body or a huge bank account, but character, because both of those things can fade or be gone in an instant. That uh, Proverbs 31, or this uh, proverb that we're given, and uh, if you have time this week, go read it. It's an amazing proverb. It's written from a mother to her son. And she writes this proverb. She's like, baby boy, I'm about to tell you who you need to date, who you need to marry, and here's who I want you to look for. And inside of the proverb, all these amazing things are said. But she specifically says a couple things about character. Here's one of them that she says to her son, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Like in other words, hey, let me tell you, at the top of the list of things to value is not a great hairdo and not a great, you know, external appearance. Not that they're an amazing, you know, athlete, but as someone of incredible character. Then she says this, that son, charm 
or like a winsomeness and they're smooth and attractive is deceptive. It can be deceiving. Like don't let it fool you. Don't let that be the single thing. They're just smooth and they're flirty. And beauty is fleeting. It's going away. That it won't be here. That regardless of how hot they look right now, gravity wins that game on everybody. And so don't be deceived and don't buy in or put your stock in the wrong things. But a woman who fears the Lord is worthy to be placed. He, all throughout the proverb, I mean, go read it. He says, look, son, don't just look for someone who's going to make a, a hot wife and have a great 20s Instagram profile. But look for someone who's going to be an amazing grandma, an amazing mother, or an amazing husband, an amazing father, an amazing grandfather. Someone to grow old and both get ugly together with. Look for someone who has character, not curves. That uh, having a beautiful wife does not mean having a beautiful life. And the same is true with a husband. Having a handsome or uh, wealthy husband, gosh, I hope you get this, does not equate to having a beautiful life. And this mother speaks to her son who's a prince and says, look, you can have any girl you want Don't be fooled by girls who are always so pretty, but they don't have character. The uh, second idea that we see from the text, or, I mean, before we go there, in my notes I just wrote out, I mean, it didn't take long to look at just, look at Hollywood. And it's clear to see that, man, what matters most in a person's life for their level of satisfaction or just kind of the uh, level of marital satisfaction that I think most of us would want. Nobody's like, you know what my goal is? Divorced, depressed. Those are the things that I'm looking for in life. I think all of us would, would be like, man, I'd love to be in a relationship defined by someone who loves me, is there to have and the hold for richer, for poorer, sickness and in health, they're there. And what allows a marriage to be successful is character not physical characteristics. You can see it everywhere you look in Hollywood. I mean, how many more People Magazine or whatever magazine articles are gonna come out about Brad and Angelina, they're apart, they're together, they're married, they're not. I mean, how many things are, are relationships does it take for us to see that, man, you can have a beautiful wife and not have a beautiful life? And King Lemuel's mother says, look for character over cures. Looks can be deceiving. What matters most is on the inside. This past week, or this past weekend, I, uh, our, our son has been sick for the last little bit. I'll talk about that in a second. But, um, and so we've got like little kids Motrin, liquid Motrin all over the place, like all over the house. And, uh, and I'm cooking dinner. We got this thing called Blue Apron. It's like a meal. It comes in the, comes in the mail and they're mailing us our food. And uh, we're, I got the food. I'm cooking it. I, uh, we had just a crazy last 10 days. So I was like, hey, wife, Callie, I want you to go get a foot massage which is like half the price of a real massage, but we can do it because it's only like 25 bucks. So go get a foot massage. I'm going to make dinner. It's going to be awesome. Blue apron, pull it out, begin to cook the meal. Baby's over there watching cartoon, trying to cook the meal, trying to keep things from burning. And, uh, and I'm making all the food and, and I'm just not a great cook. So I'm, I'm, things get burned and things get messed up quickly. So I'm uh, following the ingredients, so I think, and there are, uh, there's this little bottle of vinegar and it's over by, and it's supposed to go on kind of the vegetables and kind of pour it on everything. It's going to be great. And I'm cooking the food and I'm watching. Are you, are you still breathing in there, little child? And uh, <laughs> his name's Crew. I call him little child. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> who am I? What kind of dad does that? Anyways, so I'm, uh, I'm cooking and, uh, and I reach over for the bottle and I take it and it looks 
strikingly similar to the liquid Motrin that is right next to it. Take it out, take it over. You okay in there? Dunk. And the entire bottle of liquid Motrin goes over all of the food. And it's like, well, all right, pizza night it is. Because looks can be deceiving. <laughs> don't, don't clap for bad cooking, but here's, here's why that matters. In the same way that on the outside, they were strikingly similar, like Blue Apron. Please, can we change this? And uh, what mattered most, though, was what was on the inside. That's not just pithy. It's not just, oh, that's kind of cute and funny. It is the truth. And your marriage will be made or broken on the character, on what's inside of those who are a part of it. The second idea that we're gonna pull from really the second instrument to trust goes along with this idea of character and uh, who to look for and what to make sure is a component of their life is to make sure the person that you're dating loves Jesus. I don't mean like, hey, they're, they say I'm a Christian, they go to church, they went on a mission trip one time, they um, you know, go with their family at Easter and they seem nice. I mean, they love Jesus. They are all in with him. They know where true life is found. They wanna follow him. They love him more than they'll ever love you. This is the type of person to date and to consider or as the relationship develops and moves to move towards marriage with, make sure that they love Jesus. Paul says in 2 Corinthians six fourteen, do not be yoked or bound together with unbelievers, someone who doesn't share the same faith, someone who's not in love with Jesus someone who may be a cultural Christian. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common or what fellowship can light have with darkness that makes sure above everything else that they love Jesus? How do you know? Really, if you can't tell, they don't. Like if you're like, I don't know if this is a priority in his life. I mean, maybe I should just ask, hey, do you love Jesus? Usually speaking, and that may be like, maybe there's some exception up there, so... For the most part, you'll see it. It comes out in how they spend their time, how they think about um, their money, how they use their words, where they um, you know, invest their weekends, the friends and the company that they keep. Make sure that you're dating someone who loves Jesus. And if not, you need to break up and you need to tonight, like before you leave. And spare yourself the heartache and the heartbreak that's gonna happen and come into your life by you dating someone or moving towards marriage with someone who is headed in a different destination, in a different direction than you're headed. Last week, I was, uh, because we moved kind of a couple weeks ago, uh, JP and I were gonna meet at my new house. So we were coming from two different places. Hey, I'll meet you at my house. And. Uh, uh, as we headed there, I sent him the new address that we're at, and, and uh, he typed it into his phone. I typed it into mine, and we're headed off. And I get to the house, and I'm like, where are you? And he said, I'm about to turn on your street. And I said, what cross streets are you at? And he begins to describe the cross streets, and they're way over in the other side of town. I'm like, you're not about to turn onto my street. Uh, well, according to the Waze app, I am. And what had happened was that the zip code was a different one 
that the same street name, it just in a zip code that was entirely different and that he had headed towards a very different direction and destination than I had headed towards without even realizing it, thinking maybe we're headed in the same direction. And what the Bible says, just the fact of the matter is, if you are dating someone who's not a believer, you're headed to different destinations, different eternal destinations, different destinations in this life. Uh, how can I make it more clear? You're headed towards heaven and they're headed towards hell. You are, it's impossible to maintain a strong relationship if Jesus is the main thing in your life and if it's not the main thing in their life. You're headed towards heartbreak. There's no way of getting around it. And if you're dating someone who's not a believer or who would just say, you know, it's kind of a, yeah, I'm just, I don't take my faith too seriously. You need to get out now. If you're not a believer, man, the most significant thing that you can do is not learn any of these dating suggestions or really truths from the Bible. It's not focus on any of them, but you need to meet Jesus. You're never gonna be able to get it right with your mate until you first are right with your maker. And it's impossible for you to enter into a marriage and hey, I'm gonna get it right and it's gonna be awesome if you have not first got made right with Jesus or with your maker and your creator. So here we go. So we got make sure you value, value character over curves or physical characteristics. Make sure that the person that you're dating loves Jesus above everything else. And then number three, make sure that Christ followers support the relationships. In other words, don't follow your feelings. Don't follow where you think you are because the plane may be tipping. Make sure that you follow the instruments. And the third thing that God tells us from his word that's crucial for success to happen in any sort of planned out or any sort of hopeful future is that other people who love and know Jesus or who walk with God need to be involved. Make sure if you want to experience success in dating, not crash the plane, that you have other Christ followers inside of your life who support the relationship. Not like your random frat buddies from college who are like, yeah, dude, she's cool, man. But Christ followers, your community group, uh, people in your family or small group or people in your family who know Jesus and love him, they support the relationship. And man, this is huge because I can hear people in the room being like, no, I mean, they're, they're not supportive because they're jealous. They're all against us. The world's against, it's a big conspiracy. You guys are not star-crossed lovers destined to be together. If people in your life are saying, I don't think he's good for you. I don't think she's the person that you need to be dating right now. You should have serious concern, especially if they're people who know Jesus and love you and love him. What are the people, if you're dating someone, what are the people in your life, what are the people who are closest to you, who are also closely seeking to walk with God or with Jesus say, what would they say about the relationship? Song of Solomon verse, or chapter one, verse four, talks about this, this couple who was moving towards marriage and it says their friends looked on and they praised their relationship. They praised their relationship. Proverbs 15, 22 says that plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Is the person that you're dating in community? Is the person that you're dating someone who has other people in their life that makes them kind of a known commodity? It's not some guy who just mysteriously shows up. Is someone, or is he someone or she someone who's known walking in the light with other people? And do you know the ways that God is just still at work? Because we're all imperfect people, all a work in progress. Do you know the ways that God's still at work in his heart or in her heart, the person that you're dating? Like, do you know that, yeah, hey, Mr. Wright turns into Mr. Hulk whenever he doesn't get his way, or Mrs. Wright and Mrs. Sweet turns into Mrs. Cha-Ching Spend when she gets stressed out? Are you aware 
and are others aware of just the ways that God is at work in her life. You do not have to have perfection, but having the collection of God's people around will protect you and protect them. Is the person that you're dating someone who's a known commodity? Do other Christ followers support the relationship? Number four. Number four, the fourth instrument as it relates to making sure you don't trust your feelings. The fourth action is to preserve purity. Preserve purity. Preserve purity in the relationship. And if you're dating someone, that you make sure that you don't introduce sex, you don't, the Bible says, awaken love before it's time. Uh, Hebrews 13 verse four says that the marriage bed should be kept pure and marriage honored by everyone. First Corinthians six says flee sexual immorality. Every other sin that you commit is different from this one because the person who commits sexual sin sins against themselves, flee it. You're gonna hurt yourself, you're gonna hurt your dating relationship. Preserve purity, the Bible says. And I think that one of the reasons this is so crucial is like we said already, like dude, love is intoxicating. Like if you're in love, it's amazing. You're like, I love love. There's flowers everywhere. I can see them. It's just, I just feel incredible. And when you introduce sex to this already kind of intoxicated, it's amazing. You are playing with fire. You are putting on blinders. It's gonna keep you in a relationship longer than you ever should have been in. It's gonna blind you to things that you'll look over because you're like, man, just uh, this is, sex is amazing. Sure, we fight all the time, but when we touch, it's like electricity just between us. And it's gonna keep you from experiencing the type of dating relationship and future marriage that God wants you to have. I think what's happened as a society, and this is so crazy, and I, I, half, most of you won't believe me, but we've moved so far from God's design as it relates to sex. Like this incredible gift that he gave for the purpose of a man and a woman coming together in marriage, this one context. Like in other words, uh, that feels like archaic and old school. God's design is that sex would be given for a very specific place, marriage, between one man and one woman who would come together and this incredibly pleasurable thing would be this incredibly powerful bonding agent and would unite them together. And that they would experience uh, just nakedness and unashamedness together. And we live in a culture that has looked at sex and it's like so, it, it basically has been boiled down to, man, sex is just physical. It's, it's like no different than kissing. It's not that big of a deal. And the hookup culture and Tinder has totally made this even worse. And this incredibly sacred almost gift that God gave because God, here's the, here's the truth. God wants you to have an amazing sex life, like unbelievably crazy banging. It's amazing off the chain. That's what God wants for you. He made sex. He created it. And, and you hear people be like, man, you just got to stay away from sex, drugs, and rock and roll because that's all the, the devil. God's like, I invented sex. You can't take that one. That's mine. I'm the one who gave it to man. I want them to have amazing sex. But them devaluing it and thinking it's like, oh, it's not that big of a deal, you can do it. It's just so commonplace, makes it impossible for them to experience that. It's all against the design. It's, it's not dissimilar to pineapples. And here's what I mean. <laughs> Left turn. And uh, in the 1500s, Christopher Columbus shows up, 1492, and, uh, and he shows up. And um, I realize it's the 1400s. And then he goes back to the new world and, and all of a sudden this new world is introduced. Inside of the new world, something was seen for the very first time. Pineapple. 
They took it back, this fruit. Christopher Columbus shows up. He shows up back in Europe, and he goes, dude, look at this thing. This is awesome. And they go, what is that? And he said, it looks like a pine cone. Tastes like an apple. Pineapple. And they named it the pineapple. Here's what was unique about pineapples. They became what is known, you can go look it up today, the very first luxury item from the new world. No one had ever seen anything like this before. It was so exclusive, so exotic, so uh, unique. It was only for the elite of the elite. Like it was something that you couldn't, most people couldn't afford. At the uh, rate that it was going for, if you adjust for inflation, uh, historians say it sold for $8,000 a pineapple. Think about that. Eight grand. Most people would never eat one, would never touch one. You wouldn't oftentimes eat them if you bought them. You would keep it in your house and just be like, dude, look at this. Look at this. Mom, I made it. See the pineapple? I mean, if you go, even if you go to St. Paul's Cathedral in London, why is there a giant pineapple on the cathedral? Because it was this symbol of success and luxury and just this incredibly exotic, amazing thing. Pineapples today sell for like $1.99. The invention of kind of the, the pineapple plantations and the spread of, of, of farming and different technological advances has made it to where pineapples, there's nothing special about pineapples. You weren't like, oh my gosh, pineapples, that's incredible. I saw him, he had a pineapple, we must be successful. That doesn't mean any of that to you. <laughs> because they've become so common that when we look at them, it's, it's nothing special. What changed about pineapple? Nothing. Just the perception of the world around it did. And in the same way, it's such a perfect analogy for what has happened to sex. This incredibly just thing that God gave to be this one exclusive relationship between one man and one woman that would come together without guilt and shame from past relationships, without worrying about, man, am I going to be compared to her other boyfriends in the past, without worrying about, like, I hope I have a condom because I'm making an STD, without worrying about any of those things, this incredibly, incredible gift that God gave for this one context between one man and one woman has become common, not that big of a deal, and what changed? The perception of it. And we live in a culture that is so devalued. And in doing so, devaluing sex, has so made it so difficult to experience this incredible gift the way that God designed it to work. One of the best things you can do if you're dating someone, preserve purity, preserve purity. And regardless of your past, you can be a part of changing your present and changing the future of saying, I'm gonna preserve purity in this relationship, moving forward, and let God continue to heal. And you may be thinking, and this, oh, every time we say this, it like gets pushback, which is so interesting to me, is people will say, well, how do we know if we're sexually compatible then? Hmm, if you're a man and she's a woman, you know that you're sexually compatible. I mean, that's, that's insane. And if that's where you're feeling like, no, man, we may not be, I don't even want to get into parts here, but if you revisit health class from seventh grade, you're going to know who's sexually compatible with who. You don't have to wonder the question of what if we're not, well, what if we don't enjoy it, and what if we don't know. If you step into sex, you are going to create what sex always does, scars and baggage that you're gonna have, that's not impossible, to, that Christ can't um, come in and he can bring healing to, but it's gonna bring about scars and pain that God doesn't want for you to experience. 
I, um, to the response of like people who go, man, well, then how are you gonna know if you're gonna have great sex? You may not. But the good news is you got a lifetime. When my wife and I, we've been married five years when we first got married, like we both entered into the marriage. We had not had sex before. And we got into the relationship and it wasn't like, dude, this is crazy, unbelievable, oh my gosh. It was still, sex is amazing. It's unbelievable. Best part of your day every time it happens. But, uh, but it wasn't like, man, this is just, we're gonna write the book after this. It was like, man, hey, we're, we're trying to, just because both of us had not had practice. But you know, we got a lifetime to have practice makes perfect. But if you practice before you enter that lifetime, practice makes permanent. And the God who loves you says, man, wherever you are in your journey today, you can begin to pursue and preserve purity inside of that. Number five, and our final one from this instrument idea of trusting not how you feel, but trusting the instruments, the principles that God has given us in his word is today to become the person the person you're looking for is looking for. To spend today becoming the one that the one that you're looking for out there is looking for. I know that sounds like, what? That, is that inception? What did he just say? Become, here's what I mean. This comes from a guy named Andy Stanley who wrote a book on this topic itself. And today, one of the most practical things you can do is not avoid trying to marry the wrong person, but spend today becoming the right person. Focus on becoming the person that the person who you want to marry is going to want to marry. Like in other words, whatever you, uh, as you think through like, man, you know, Sally's out there and this, this or whatever her name will be and, and she, I hope, is gonna love Jesus. She's gonna be, you know, all this other list of things that we add on of she's a supermodel and she's got, you know, she, an amazing, she's amazing at sex, but she's a virgin and she loves to cook and she does all this, this whole list. But whatever that list is, usually for people who love Jesus, it's like, and she's radically in love with Jesus that if you want to marry that person, you gotta spend today becoming the person that someone who's in love with Jesus is going to want to marry. Because the truth is, tragically, supermodel Sally, she wouldn't wanna marry you, <laughs> many of you. And it's not because she's like, I don't like, you know, he's, he's overweight or he doesn't have great teeth or whatever, it's because they're not someone who looks at you and goes, man, they're madly in love with Jesus. And the best thing you can do today is to spend it focused on being the one that the someone that you're looking for is looking for. How do you do that? You use this season really, really well. You live in community with other people of the same gender, same sex that are in your life that hold you accountable, speak into your life. You do it by dealing with addictions right now, whether it's pornography, which won't go away when you get married, it will get worse. And now you'll have someone else involved. Maybe it's an addiction to alcohol, maybe it's an addiction to spending. And maybe the most incredible gift you can give to your spouse would be for you to begin to go to Regen and you haven't even met your spouse. Like you don't even know who they are. Yeah, they're not even on your radar, but you can invest and say, man, I'm gonna give this season to get healthy. I'm gonna use this season while I'm gonna become the person. The person I'm looking for is gonna be looking for. Others of you, you're gonna have to step into community and change playmates and change your playgrounds. You may have to do 
um, just have follow-up conversations with people who you're holding bitterness against in a way that I'm sure if we heard your story, we'd understand, but you're just holding, it's a parent, it's, a, it's someone who passed in your past abused or uh, uh, just wherever uh, someone has come in and hurt you and you just need to work through the process of forgiving so that you're not holding on to that bitterness. Some of you may need to just do everything you can to get out of debt so that you're not coming to this relationship going, man, I hope you're gonna be able to pay this off. But use this season well. Become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. I heard it said this week that the people who have the best I do's are the ones who as singles spin it saying, I don't. The people who have the best I do someday are the ones who today spend it saying, I don't. I'm, I'm not gonna date that. I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna um, spend my weekend at that club again. I'm not gonna continue to smoke pot and be like, someday I'll grow out of this. The people who have the best I do someday are the ones who strive to say I don't today. Let me close with, with this. I... Um, we just had like the craziest like last few weeks. I feel like I'm like beating a gong and, and uh, like we've been sleeping on a mattress in the floor for six weeks, on the floor for six weeks kind of thing. Like we're like in this house that we just moved into that they're remodeling. We have a fridge in our living room, people. <laughs> How crazy is that? And, uh, and like it's just like total chaos sleeping on a mattress. It's, it's been so hectic and so crazy. And, um, and we uh, had launch retreat, which was amazing, and this incredible weekend. And, and last week, um, it, it's, the hecticness was still kind of going on, and we had this weekend. Last week, we were like, man, the weekend's going to come. It's going to be awesome. The weekend finally came, and our son gets a fever, 103.8 fever. And we're like, we've got to go to the doctor. We go to the doctor, and he tests positive for pneumonia. It's like, oh my gosh, man, it's like a hurricane. And, um, and in all this chaos of life and um, just the stress of, of uh, kind of the home environment being so chaotic and, and construction people in there all the time and sleeping on a mattress and now he's got pneumonia. And um, the kind of pneumonia where you're, I mean, I guess any pneumonia, but where you're up every three hours giving a medicine kind of thing. And in the midst of that, my wife, whose name is Callie, was such a champ. Uh, like, by far, the most godly person in our family is my wife. And she's up every three hours. She's nurturing. She's caring. She, it's this, like, mama bear instinct turns on um, for mothers. And, and in the midst of all of that, she's not complaining. She's praying over him. She's singing over him. And she's caring for him. Every week... And for the last eight years, there are lots and lots of beautiful women that are a part of the porch. Really, really attractive, pretty. And I've seen it so many times, personally and in marriages that end up taking place where someone will marry someone that's, man, smoking hot, but they don't have character. And what happens in moments like that? I mean, that's what life is like. I hope you're not thinking like, man, it's just going to be this honeymoon and it's amazing and all we're doing is either having a romp fest or watching rom-coms together. That's not what life is. Life just brings this chaos around and if you don't have character, regardless of how smoking hot they are, it will not last. And they're not someone that you want to walk through life with. 
The truth for you and for me and for everybody is you don't need a guy on your arm who's just hunk and strong jawline. You need a girl who stands there and wears the right dress. You need someone to go to war with because life is a war. And you're going to face it every single day. Who are you going to marry? If you really prioritize, man, I just want to have someone with a huge bust line and not to have character or not have a relationship with Jesus that anchors them in the midst of chaos. Who are you going to trust in? Are you going to trust in the feelings that you have? And if you do, you're going to crash the plane. Tragically, more tragic or as tragic as JFK Jr. driving into the water himself. Who are you going to trust in? Your feelings? That really you guys are the one couple in the whole universe that really is going to break the rules that God has set up in his word? That, oh, no, not us. we got a song. we got everything going together. We're going to be great. We're going to be just fine. It's us against the world. It won't work. And God has given principles clearly in Scripture that if you were dating someone and you're saying, man, you know, they don't have that great a character, but he's a trust fund baby, you're going to have scars. But you're dating someone, and man, they may not be a believer, they may not be all in with Jesus, but I think I can get them there. I'm, you're not the Holy Spirit. And that's not your job. Your job is to follow Jesus and run hard after him. And God's timing, he brings that person along. I know in this room, and I'm going to close right here, there are some of you who feel like damaged goods. I know I have family members who are that way. You feel like if there's a godly guy out there, maybe a godly girl out there who really loves Jesus, who's all in with him, that if he ever looked in your direction, he wouldn't want to date you. He wouldn't want to be a part of that because you look behind you, you got a past. A past maybe filled with an abortion, filled with sexual partners, filled with mistakes, one night stands, filled with whatever it is, fill in the blank. And I want you to know that regardless of the story that you have, the reason that someone would not, if they are all in with Jesus, want to date you is not because of your past. It's because of your present and not running after Christ. Regardless of your past, it's not a problem for Jesus. And it's not a problem for anyone who loves Jesus. It often is a platform that God, when someone says, take my past, take my present, take my life, God says, man, I'm going to create an amazing platform out of and allow you to show how even in the midst of ashes, I make beautiful things. If you're someone who thinks, man, I'm damaged goods, you've bought a lie. And God doesn't ask for you to, you know, do away and hide and be ashamed of your past. He says, will you surrender that to me, surrender your present to me? And you'll have life. And I'll write a love story like you've never known. Because you have got to know, if you're going to experience uh, being in a relationship with a spouse in a healthy way, they've got to be someone and you've got to be someone who knows the ultimate spouse that they'll be with for all of eternity. You and I, marriage, if we have 75 years, my wife and I, if we have 75 years in this life, what is that, a page in the Bible? I mean, ultimately, if you're going to have a good spouse or you're going to be a good spouse, you've got to know that the story is not about you. It's not about me. I mean, think about that. Like in all of like the Bible, it goes through all these different stories. 75 years work together, 75 years. It's amazing. We made it through a silver or platinum or whatever anniversary that the Bible would say, it's just one page. You're going to be with that spouse, Jesus, which is what the bride of Christ says or is called to be a part of this marriage relationship with Christ for all of eternity. And if you're going to marry or have a good marriage in this life, you and the other spouse involved have to know ultimately who their spouse is. And it's having that anchor that allows you in the midst of the storm to not focus on your feelings, not crash the plane, but trust in him and the instruments and the truths that he's given us. Let me pray. Father, thank you that you're a God who shows up to women caught in adultery and you don't condemn them.
But you don't condone what they've done. You forgive them as you modeled for us in John chapter eight. I pray for friends in the room who've been running. God, would you make amazing marriages out of my friends here? Would you make the best marriages the city of Dallas has ever seen from friends that are represented inside of this room? But we know that beautiful love stories don't come from having the right flowers and hair color. They come from having the right God that we worship, from knowing what marriage and ultimately all of life is about, which is Jesus. Father, I pray for amazing relationships. I pray for relationships in this room to break up. And I pray that they would, if that be consistent with what your will is or inconsistent, if the relationship they have is inconsistent with your word, Father, would you take them down, help them trust in you, that you're a God who loves and gives good things and wants great love and relationships for us. We worship you now in song, amen.